Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. You got Dan here. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. Sanchez is here. Hello. Hello. And Phineas is here. All right. Yes, sir. An honor, sir. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. a treat to be here. Thank you for giving us time and energy today. Oh, of course. I. It's kind of wild. <laughs> Because, like, I, I don't even know where to start because there's just so much going on. Uh-huh. And I just want to know, do you take time to soak in the moments? <laughs> or do you just go from A to B to C to D to E? Well, I try to uh, be aware of of good things, right? So there's we've had a, a lot of good fortune this year. And I try to be really conscious of that and and sort of embrace that and, and feel gratitude i think that's the most important response to good fortune to me is like feeling grateful um but i think for sort of longevity you know i'm I'm working on the next thing always but that's just for fun really i mean you know i, I feel like that's the the world of like entertainment stuff should should primarily be people doing the thing that they would be doing in their free time if they like if you were totally get it if you worked at chipotle wouldn't you be like doing a show on the side uh, yeah i did it at a grocery store exactly hey, exactly you, i'd be doing it at, at, at Behind the register, right, and hustling, right. You'd be like, you'd be over the PA at the grocery store where they like tell people to come to certain aisles, but you'd just be like doing a long form. I'd be making a whole show out of it. Hour long, Zach Sang. I promise you, people would come to the store. How do you define fortune? Because uh, like good fortune or just fortune? Do you see good fortune as luck? Are those the same thing in your head? I think they're they're cousins. You know, I I said a thing. At one point, we were doing this like talk for some kids that are like in the Grammy University program, and I, they were like, you know, what do you, do you think of, about luck or like fate or destiny or whatever? And I was like, well, at the start, it kind of feels like luck, and then the more five a.m. flights you have, and the more like twelve-hour shoots you go on, the less it feels like luck, and the more it feels like hard work. I think they're, you know, they go hand in hand. You can you can get so- somewhere from luck. And then it's your responsibility to like really work totally, and then take that and go further. You know, luck gets you to one step. It's right. what you do with that step well, that totally. makes a career out of something. Well, and it's tricky because it, with one without the other is like I have friends who I feel are supremely talented, but they haven't had the luck step, yeah. so they're just sort of like, you know, at totally. the at the gym all the time. So, you know what I mean? I want to say. So, do you think Ocean Eyes blowing up was your luck? Ocean Eyes, I think, was was really lucky. I, we were really proud of that song, but we like that was such a, you know, lightning in a bottle, internet, like, right time, right place thing for us. And then I think stuff like Don't Smile at Me and then the album was just sort of like toil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Ocean Eyes in many ways was, was really lucky. How many records records exist between you and Billy pre-Ocean Eyes? Two. Two songs. That- yeah. Is it wild to think that it only took you two songs to get Ocean Eyes? Yeah, it is. It's it's a fluke, you know. And and <laughs> it's now also you know. and it's not. I don't even think that the first the t- two songs before Ocean Eyes were very good. So it was like we had like two like super mediocre songs, and then Ocean Eyes, which I I still listen back to, and I'm like really proud of, you know. What is the biggest difference between Ocean Eyes and those two records that didn't pop? Mm. I think. Ocean Eyes was was not trying to be anything else. I think the other two songs were maybe a little bit more derivative of of stuff that we were listening to at the time. And Ocean Eyes was just this like let's yeah this we this is cool you know. Do you 
produce with that same filter today, this is cool? On on a really good day, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm definitely, especially like one of the benefits of where we are with Billy is that there's so much music of hers now where there was like a full album and a full EP. So there's like, whatever, almost 20 songs to reference when we're moving forward. We have this back catalog. It's a little bit like making sequels to a film, right? All the same characters to pull from. And that's really exciting because then you can let that all evolve and you don't have to like start from scratch in a certain way. You can evolve what makes Billy sound like Billy. Exactly. Yeah, you can just kind of dig deeper into it. You you were talking about the two songs that you made that you feel like could have been derived by things that you were listening to at the time. Right, yeah. Do you... Music at large has been very influenced in recent times by your music. So it may seem. You, ha- I know the circles you chill in. <laughs> you have to know that producers go into sessions yeah. and they say, got to get that Phineas sound. Well, I mean, I think they just want that number one sound. I don't know that it's like, because I'm so great. They just, Bad Guy was really popular and they were just like, oh, let's make another really popular song. Which, to my great joy, has not succeeded for anybody. No one imitating my stuff has had it be as successful as they thought it would be, which is exciting. So, <laughs> does that excite you to go back into the Billy Arsenal and kind of evolve those sounds well, as I you think create new stuff? To me, and I I remember thinking about it with Rihanna, and I, I don't mean to throw mustard under the bus because I think he's very talented and he's a supremely nice dude, but mustard did a lot of anti. Like he was, you know, it was mustard on the beat, right? And it was all an anti. And Anti was such a kind of a fashion-forward album for Rihanna. Like, the the record before that to Anti, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, this is such an evolution. And I think Mustard got so much attention for that record, and the next couple years were, like, everyone that wanted to be Rihanna working with Mustard. And I always was like, well, I think Rihanna's already on some new And in Rihanna's case, it was on some no Like, she (laughs) hasn't put out a song since then or whatever, so... I don't really know where that takes me, but I think that the philosophy behind it was that as as soon as Bad Guy came out, even though we loved the song, like we're not like those people that like don't like the songs. That are, like there's some artists that like trash talk like their own oh. hits, which I, I'm bl- like blown away by. We're not that way. We really love that song, but we're not trying to make it again. We're just trying to make other songs that we are excited about. Do you feel like Mustard shouldn't have opened his doors to other people who wanted to sound like Rihanna? And does that cheapen the sound? Well, no, I think, I think mainly the issue was just that, and I, I don't know what his relationship with those people are. I never worked with him, but I, I worry, I feel like people probably came to him and they were like, we want that anti sound. They probably didn't let him evolve the way that he wanted wanted to, you know what I mean? So they probably came to him and they were like, we love, you know, whatever. I was good on alone on the way it was, right? And they just wanted that again. And I think that like... Even like in a couple cases I've worked with artists, not recently, but especially like in the early stages where I became really aware that they were like, give me that like Billy sound. And I was like, oh, no, that I'm just doing that with Billy. (laughs) Do you feel like that sound could only exist with Billy? Well, I mean, I think it can only be it's best with Billy because of her voice and her tonality and her her portrayal of those songs. But obviously other people are trying to imitate it. You know what I mean? It's. But with you, you're I, I'm I know that you're you're obviously your brother and sister. Yeah. But the fact that you were homeschooled, yes, sir, lent itself to a lot of different things. It, it totally did. It was a very like outliers Malcolm Gladwell 
thing. I saw him at a blue bottle the other day. I was really excited about it. Did and you it, say something to him? No, he was getting into his like very regular car. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was like, oh my god, ten thousand hours. I had I wrote ten thousand hours in Sharpie over my bedroom door when I was like, as the minute I read that book when I was like fifteen. You have the ability being homeschooled to yeah. access and have time for things that a normal person wouldn't. Absolutely. Plus you spend so much time with Billy. Exactly. I don't can can we sit here and, and can you say that nobody knows her better than you? Uh yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't she probably knows her better than I know her. That's but other than her, yeah, probably not. And would you say the same about her to you? Mhm. Yeah, she's really good at like like I think um I acted professionally in my teens, and I've been sort of acting on a social level my entire life, being, like, polite to people and charming. And I think Billy, Billy is one of very few people that are like, hey, that's bull****. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows, yeah. Zach Sang Show. Yo, beautiful human. If you're considering going back to school, you really should ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits that you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of those questions, Arizona State University really is the perfect school for you. ASU offers over 200 highly ranked degree programs 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree that you would on campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. If this is of any interest to you, seriously, text Zach, Z-A-C-H, to 35517. You'll get more information. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. Learn more right now about ASU online degree programs. Just text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. Zach Sancho. Working with Billy and then yeah. working with other artists. Right. You know the difference between being comfortable and vulnerable. It's true. And somebody, like, really, mm-hmm. like, it's it's so much deeper than deep. You know what? And it's that's a really good point. The two things I'll say is, like, it is this huge, like upper hand that Billy and I have with each other is just this like language right and I think when I work with another artist I try to scratch the surface of that and and get as as far down that road as I can go you know or as as much as they're willing to um and and that's you know advantageous I will say and like I don't feel like this is bragging because I'm still just sort of figuring this out like with in not a confessional way, but I I often have artists tell me that they've never told people the thing that they're telling me. So yeah, I think I'm just a l- good listener, you know. Which like, if you were to break this down into a percentage game, yeah, as it relates to writing a great record, sure. How much comes down to just listening to somebody else's story, internalizing it? So much because because. Like a person, hypothetically, if I'm writing a song with it with an artist, a person can can put zero words on a piece of paper and rhyme them, and still feel like the song is entirely theirs as long as I'm emoting what they're trying to emote. You know what I mean? And totally I think if it. I'm if I'm selling something that they're not buying, they're like, yeah, this is this is lame. But if if I have a conversation with them in three hours and they say something and I just go, oh my god, everyone is gonna understand how that feels. 
you know, then the song is theirs. Do you approach all sessions the same, whether it be a session for you, session for Billy, or a session for another artist? I try to tailor it to what the session seems like it needs. Sometimes I get thrown in as like a producer into a writer session with like two other writers. Sometimes I'm like the the whole the whole dude, it's just like me and an artist. And sometimes I'm just a writer, and there's like a producer at a console. So I try to just kind of like fill in the empty the empty pie chart space. What do you What do you bring to a room that nobody else can? Well, I don't really have a. I don't I don't think I bring anything to a room that no one else can. I think the stuff that I try to bring to a room, you know, that I would hope other people are bringing is like you know, uh vulnerability and encouragement of an artist and you know, passion for the project and maybe a kind of a like awareness and kind of a like a team a team spirit that I think Sometimes people have like too much ego to bring to to things. I, you know, I just want the thing to be the best it can be. I don't really care if every line is mine or if I lose an argument. Sometimes when you lose an argument, it's it just means that the thing is really important. If that makes sense, like people people arguing about something means that it's an important thing. Yeah. And whoever's like the most passionate to me, I'm like, oh well, then this really means something to you. So let's yeah, you win. It's worth fighting for. I think so. Yeah. So. Do you go in blank slate every time looking to list? I mean, outside of the I pretty the times, much do. Like, yeah, outside of the times, obviously, like where you get you touch a song later on in the yeah, process. Yeah, totally, totally. I pretty much do. I mean, and and maybe I won't always do that. I feel like I enjoy making instrumentals a lot, and so I might start making those and just bringing in instrumentals to sessions. But but I think that to me is where I would I would worry that I have like a Phineas sound because if I'm and I don't want to like. Maybe as an artist, I want to have that, but I think that's more in my songwriting and my, you know, sort of lyricism. But, but like, as a producer, I think if you have no trademark, that's you have more longevity that way. You know, if I was just making like instrumentals all the time alone, I'm just kind of like drinking in my own ta- like yeah, how marinating I feel. in your own juices exactly. And I think I'd much rather always be inspired by the artist that I'm that I'm working with. You know, sometimes you walk in and an artist like I just have been obsessed with peggy lee you just like you go oh cool and even if you make a song that's not a peggy lee song just that like the fact that they said that and you kind of go like oh let's use this chord structure you know what i mean so i think i think that that kind of thing helps me remain kind of anonymous as a producer which has always been the goal it's a challenge then totally totally yeah you don't want to be too easy because then you're young (laughs) dude (laughs) you don't want to get into this like comfortable cycle i don't know yeah i've never found it very very easy. I, I, I envy people who are like, it's that easy. I've, I I work really hard on everything, you know? You, you know how many people we see come in here and go, oh, yeah, I wrote in five minutes. Done, done well, by end of day. writing is different because because sometimes writing does happen really fast. But I think I think it's a little bit like the, the sort of karmic response to the days you spent writing like mediocre songs is like the one moment where it happens really fast. But that is true. I mean, I mean most of bad guy came to get like all the stuff that people scream at the shows that came together very quickly do you need to end a session with a song i really like to if i don't i feel sad who gets an invite to your bedroom studio and who doesn't well that's a cool question it used to be the only place i worked out of at all and i got really sick of like meeting a person for the first time and going like this is my mom this is my dad this is our dog and then like and then making them all be quiet while they recorded vocals i was like i became kind of shy about it and i wanted to like give my family their privacy so um 
I got more comfortable like going to studios and and being there. But um, is that a transition for you? Yeah, it is. Usually, usually the people that that I work at home with are like people I already have working relationships with. Where I'm like, yeah, just come over. You know what I mean? It's more casual. Always Billy still. Well, yeah. I mean, we hate studios. I don't like studios. I just like sometimes artists are very comfortable there and they've like been set up there for a, a month with their engineers and I just drop in with my laptop and, and like work with them there. They have free cookies. They're used to it. Dude, that is a problem. <laughs> All, the studio culture at large is like how to, how to put on 20 pounds. It's bad. There's like jars of peanut M&Ms in the corn. It's bad. You've been to Westlake, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> I've been to, yeah, Westlake and then I've been to some other one by, a, I guess, Amoeba, like um, mm, mm. kind of far. I forget the name of it. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, but they have, I know exactly what studio you're talking about. There's like, yeah. They I, have yeah. warm cookies like crazy. It's in a warehouse. Yeah, it's but, bad. Any nerves? Do you remember like the first time you went to a real studio to work on any song? Mm. Yeah, the first time I went to a studio to work on a song, like the first time I ever went to like a posh studio was um, go, was working with Tori Kelly, which mm. was like a sort of nerve-wracking experience in general at the time because... At the time, we were, like, just starting out, and Tori had already had that huge first album, and I was sort of a personal fan of her voice and, you know, her just talent in general. So I was I was nervous that whole day. But do you go in with lyrics? No, I mean, that was, you know, I just went in to listen. It was me and this incredible writer, Ames, A-M-E-S, who's an artist in her own right, but we had a great time writing with Tori. That was kind of during the Tori's album that just came out, we were we were writing for that album in t 2016 so i'm sure by the time she was actually putting together the album she was like you know that's irrelevant cuz that's what happens when you work on an album for 3 years does that like is that what you want to stay away from forever yeah <laughs> totally yeah it is scary to create totally. records i mean years ago and then if they don't see the light of day then they they you yep. lose connection with them yeah in tories in Tori's case, I would view it as like a, a learning experience, and it was a it was really fun. She was very kind and brilliant, and it was just fun to to be in her orbit for a day. She's a special human being. She's very nice too. Oh my god, she's great. So I, I see fan. her everywhere. She's, I, I'm a fan. She was doing that like sing movie where she was playing like hippopotamus at the time or an elephant or something. Yeah, dude, brought down the freaking house. She was great. Yeah, but but yeah, I think in general, I've talked about this a little bit with my friend James that. Working on projects that are sort of like mass populace, like we're working with everybody is like a waste of time because unless you're like the guy and you can just like crush it and everyone believes that you crush it and you have that like emperor's new clothes thing where no matter what you do, they're like, oh my God, yes. It's like everyone's going to second guess everything and then you end up with a hundred songs. Yeah, but do you feel like you're that guy now? Who's gonna um, <laughs> who second guessed a record of yours that you've touched in recent weeks? You know what? Weeks? I can't tell if this if this is like inspiring to me or it pisses me off more. But I it still happens a lot and like not like and that's fine. Like like I just want the product to be the best it can be. So obviously if anyone has notes, I'm excited about it. But I had it happen pretty recently with like a person who is like not very big at all and like I was, I was really, like, struck by, like, wow, you're, you really think you're right on this one. Like, <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> and, like, I really disagreed. And so it was, like, a tricky, it was a funny sort of thing to be happening. Would you move forward? Because you need approval to release a record that you've touched. I just make sure the artists are happy. But I think, I think I try to kind of just be, like, 
you know, this is a really good idea. And in that case, it just didn't, they didn't hear it or see it or whatever. And I was like, well, I, I'm not going to change your mind. But I was also like, you should super trust me on this. <laughs> Does it hurt knowing that the record is going to see or touch people's ears and it's not the record that you wanted? Yeah. It bums me out. It makes me less excited about like sort of promoting it. Were you kind of given free range to do it, whatever you wanted on the Selena song? Selena was a fun, um, that was a fun one. Mattman and Robin had sort of done, I guess, like the the initial production on that, like the piano and like sort of the writing production, if that makes sense. And they're producers I look up to and have for a long time. I think the dr- their drums especially are really cool. They did a lot of like really cool stuff on, on Julia Michaels EP. Nervous System, I think it was called. They're really good. Um, and it just sort of was missing was missing this kind of like atmosphere is what I would refer to it as, which is one of the things I've done a lot in my own stuff and in Billy's stuff. It's kind of atmospheric sounds. Dude, crickets, matches. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. It was missing kind of that and missing like these overtone synths and this sort of shine. Mm. And um, and then I added, I added some like... Kind of anything you hear that isn't like the piano or like the sub bass or or like maybe like the kick. Anything that isn't like those things is pretty much all stuff I did, which was fun. Well, so, so when you hear a song like that, yeah. do you immediately know like, okay, this is what I can add or this is what it's missing or do you have to play around with it? I, I try to play around with it. Selena, that one took, that one did not take long. That took a couple hours. And, and I usually don't know how long it's going to take when I sit down to do it. I just go like, well, I'm going to start. And then sometimes you're like, oh my God, I'm almost done. And then sometimes you're like, you've gone a whole day and you're like, I'm I'm no further into this, which is frustrating. Where'd you do that one? I did that one at the the house, the first house that I moved into outside of my parents' house, just like the bedroom studio that I have there. And I can kind of rock up anywhere and, and do work, like with headphones and a laptop and a little keyboard. I can, I can be pretty effective anywhere. I respect that. Thanks, I cannot man. do that. Like an, I'm like a vibe guy. I got to be in the same chair. I got to wear the same shoes. You're Bjorn Borg. Dude, yeah. <laughs> is he freaking anal? Bjorn, Bjorn Borg is like the tennis champion that beat like uh, John McEnroe. I just watched this doc- movie about them. It was so good. But he would like stay in that same hotel room and drive the same car and like use the same racket. Like yeah. it was, he, was, he was obsessive compulsive. It was but, intense. But see, like I, I totally understand it. Right. Everything went right when you did all these things. Why would I change it? Well, totally. And I definitely like... I'm definitely not trying to, like, fix things that aren't broken. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, for example, like, I'm building I'm building my first studio ever right now, which I'm really excited Congratulations. about. Congratulations. Thanks, man. But it's going to take a while. And so I've, I've moved my stuff back into the bedroom, like, the, the bedroom at the house I grew up in. And I just go work there now, which is really fun. But, like, do you feel the energy that filled that room when you were creating originally? I taste the delicious food my mom brings in every three hours. That's <laughs> That equates to the energy. No cookies, but great home cooking. No, I I, I, uh, I I was able to pay off my parents' mortgage this year, which was awesome. Oh, That's amazing. And I my mom was very sweet about it. And I was, jokingly, I was like, eh, I just paid... Uh, I paid retrofitted studio bills and I paid for the private catering that Billy and I got for years and years and years. Which honestly, if if I was if I was sent that bill, it would have been way higher than the, than the mortgage. <laughs> it would, you know, if I worked at Westlake every day, oh my god, for years and years, and oh. it was catered every day, it would have been astronomical, way more than the mortgage. And now think about it like this: one day that will be turned into a museum. 
Okay. Is that creepy to think about? A hundred percent that's creepy. Yeah, but you know yeah. somebody out there is going to. Yeah, whenever they whenever they build a freeway through Highland Park and they have to tear down our house, they'll they'll carve they'll laser cut out my bedroom and put it on a truss and put it on a truck and put it in the it's proven. Put it they, in Cleveland. They did that for the the first Taco Bell ever. They moved an entire building. Dude, I love that you were just at Taco Bell because I Billy and I went to Taco Bell like two weeks ago and just ate our entire weight in f- brand new food that we're not allowed to talk about. Here's the here's the real, and you can keep this in. This they showed us how they make the cinnamon twists. Did they show you guys? No, no. So no. you guys know the cin- you guys know the cinnamon twists? Oh, of course, they they complement any box. So here's so the cinnamon twist. I shit you not, this blew my mind. The cinnamon twists are pasta. They're little tiny, like, oh. twirly pasta. And they, I forget what the thing is, but they throw them in this fryer and they just go, and they expand into these big puffy cinnamon twists. But they're literally like flour pasta. It's wow. crazy. And they deep fry them and they puff I, up. I'm I'm hearing the sound. I'm picturing the look. It's unbelievable. And then they just like sh- like throw a, a huge thing of cinnamon sugar in them. It was incredible to watch. Taco Bell is very special. I love Taco Bell. They've been so woven into my life since like the <laughs> beginning the of time. The same way. <laughs> I mean, how many th- like how many experiences have they has they have they fed you through? Well, I'm like a real habitual like like. Like, one of the things that I enjoy doing, this is so lame that yeah. I'm talking about this, but I love going to a Taco Bell drive through and getting, like, the same lame little order of just, like, burritos and chips and, like, a, a spicy potato taco and, like, Classic. you know, a quesadilla when I was younger and I was out to gain weight. Um, and I would get all this and I would basically, like, would sit in, like, the Taco Bell parking lot or I'd sit, like, just on the, like, in my car on like the curb and i'd like listen to a podcast and eat taco bell alone at like one in the morning it was the worst and i it's i love it and i still want every element of that like if someone was like i'll I'll buy you taco bell bring i'm like no i'd rather go Go do it yourself pick it up at the drive-thru and sit in the drive-thru one of the things though is that i talk i did the feed the beat thing where they like sponsor artists and they send you all these gift cards 500 bucks in taco bell gift cards which is which is a lifetime supply essentially totally unless you're me in which case it's already gone but then we went to talk when they gave us more gift cards and i pretty much go to like the same taco bell because it's the one near my house they know you and they well they know me as the gift card guy (laughs) i haven't paid i haven't paid for taco bell in months and the gift cards are the gift cards are in ten dollar increments it's not like a five hundred dollar card it's just ten dollars and so my order usually, honestly, is like $7. Taco Bell's so cheap. And so they'll, I'll give them the $10 gift card, and they'll be like, this has $3 on it. And the other day I went, and I handed them a gift card, and they were like, well, this only had $3 on it. And I was like, wait. And I pulled out another one, and I handed it to them. And they were like, this also $3. only had $3 on it. And I was like, hold on. I paid for my meal over the course of like five leftover Taco Bell gift cards. And you know they were like, dude, you're in a Tesla. Pay for the... F- Taco Bell. What is going on? By the way, a humbling, but, but at the same time, the right money move. And it's true status in life when you get to a point in life where you don't have to pay for one of your favorite things. As my manager Brandon says, I hate it when rich people have to pay for <laughs> <laughs> so sad but true. I remember when I had that first realization, and I was looking at the wardrobe for Big Time Rush when I was at, working for Nickelodeon, and they okay. had they had half. Of, uh, of the ballroom of the W in Washington, D.C., <sighs> reserved just for their closet. And they walked away with all of it at the end of it. And it was tens of thousands of oh, dollars yeah. in yeah. clothes. Oh, yeah. That they'll never have to shop again in their life. Well, 
It is a great cheat code when when you get like if I get styled for anything and then I'm like, can I keep this shirt? Like, yeah. I'm, it's mainly it's just exciting because I hate buying clothing. I'm in t- I have. I, I go into a store and it's like I've I've taken six melatonin. I'm immediately <laughs> fatigued and ex- and can't wait to leave. And I go and I I find a shirt and I'm like I love this. And I go and I try it on my body and I hate the way it looks on my body. And then I leave. <laughs> I usually leave empty-handed. I don't I don't even buy stuff usually when I go shopping. But you found somebody that you trust to go shopping for you. Well, yeah, I found like a stylist I love. Yeah, because you look great. Thanks, man. You have a great great look, great dance moves, by Thanks, the way. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Your concert was one of the, my favorite shows coming. of the year. I really appreciate it. I had fun. Yo, you look like you're having fun. That's good. And the fact that it's family. That's like, pretty cool. He, his dad built the set, right? <laughs> like... Well, he built. He's our set carpenter for Billy. I don't. He he definitely helped at the Hollywood Forever shows. I mean, I definitely helpful. saw him there, like oh, yeah, stripping yeah, yeah, yeah. the set. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like I felt like the crew was looking to him for answers and direction. But you can't look to anyone else with that beard. That's the beard of the guy in charge. It doesn't even matter if you're in charge if you have that beard. If you have the beard, they're like, he must be in charge. Zach Sang Show. Hey, beautiful human, real quick, I just want to shout out New Chapter. I am so grateful to them. They're helping make this interview possible. New Chapter is a vitamin supplement brand that supports every chapter in your wellness journey. You ready? New Chapter's natural products are formulated to work with your body, and they're made from the finest non-GMO and organic ingredients. They're easy to digest and grounded in proven science. This is not like bull squash. Discover wellness your way and build your custom regimen with supplements that actually work. New beginnings really are possible, and it can start with something as simple as New Chapter's incredible line of products. Find New Chapter at The Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, or at your local health food store, or online, like on like a part of trusted retailers though, like not not random places. Go to newchapter.com. You can go there for more information, or you can buy it at like VitaCost. VitaCost online. New Chapter Vitamins at the Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, and your local health food store. Try it out. It could be for you. Zach Sang Show. Is it special to see how involved your family is and the fact that you've done it? As a unit from the very beginning. It's awesome, yeah. Because your it's parents great. have sacrificed from, like, they... They have. They sleep uh, in the living room, right? They it's gave true. you and Billy your own room. It's true. I keep telling... I mean, now we're using the f***ing bedroom again, which is too bad, but I keep telling them to just sleep in my... You know, I'm like, you can have... I don't live there anymore. You can sleep in my room. But it's they're fine. so used to it. They're like, they're like, fool, your room is so small. Our, <laughs> the living room is better. We have a bigger <laughs> bed in there. Um, no, they're the best. And, and the cool part... As I've now like moved out, I live with Claudia now. Is like I when we go on little tours, I I'm with my whole family, which is so awesome. I just flew back from Mexico City today, and we were all together. And like literally yesterday, we had to like wake up. We played everything I wanted for the first time live, and so we had to go sound check it. Normally, we don't have to sound check because we've done a million shows and we know how everything sounds. But we had to sound check the new songs, so we had to be at the festival at like eight a.m. and then our show wasn't until nine forty p.m. So we had a long day gap where we were jet lagged and exhausted and we took a nap in like the same hotel like we all just were like passed out in the same room it was very adorable it's really special yeah just all like shoes on one of those shoes on naps you know what i mean where you just sleep out of exhaustion because being around the people that you genuinely love and Uh you know that they have your back as well as you have theirs yeah does that make things easier it makes me like a very unreachable dude in many ways and i don't i don't say that proudly like I have a lot of friends of mine who are like, like, when can we hang out? And I just have, 
I'm just so full up all the time of like, I'm either like creating something that I, I'm obsessed with and I want to spend all my time there or I have, I have like the people that I love most in the world to see all the time. I have my mom and my dad and my sister and Claudia and that's kind of like, I'm pretty satisfied, you know. I still love, you know, hanging out with people but it's hard to trade up, you know. If someone goes, hey, there's a party tonight. I'm like, oh God, I just, I just got an invitation to like a thing tonight. And my response was like, oof. <laughs> I wrote back, I wrote back, I'll go if you go. <laughs> and you're secretly hoping that they don't go. Absolutely, I am. I'm hoping that 8 p.m. rolls around and Claudia goes, you know what? I'm really tired. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Does your inspiration and in, like creative energy change after falling in love? Um, Cause yeah. You're definitely in love. Yes, sir. I mean, I think this is weird to say, but I think that. Other than the fact that I can write a really, like, truthful, honest love song when I am in love, and I maybe couldn't when I'm not, it kind of gets, it gets that kind of out of the way in a weird way, and it kind of gives me more time to just write about whatever I want to write about, if that makes any sense. Like, I think when you're, like, in the world of, like, dating or you're courting somebody, it's like a little bit, or maybe, maybe it's just me, but I'm very, like, obsessive. And it's really easy to get preoccupied all the time. And then all my songs turn into that. I get that. And I think the fact that I'm in this relationship that I'm very proud of and that I feel is going quite well, I can write a song about that. But I can also go like, that's I'm that's going great. I'm going to go write a song about, you know, this thing from like, like Partners in Crime and I Don't Miss You at All were both written within the last couple months, which is like a, a year in this relationship. And those are songs that are essentially not about this relationship at all. But I think the fact that I'm in this relationship made those songs very possible because I was like, well, let me just write about whatever, <laughs> you know? I get that because love is out of the way yep. and you're secure in your relationship. Exactly. You can allow yourself and have time and energy to focus on other parts. Right, and you can kind of, uh, yeah, it's a little bit like going to therapy when you're not in a crisis. You can like work through other stuff in your life and and find sort of deep-seated things that you, that are, you're, you're, quick amygdala responses to things as opposed to like if you go to therapy and you're very depressed like i started going to therapy when i was like dealing with the sort of friendship of mine that had fallen apart that led to the song i lost a friend and you know at the time my therapy was all just like me processing that and then i kept going for months and that was great because that just meant that i was processing the whole rest of my life and and sort of getting a more uh, clear understanding of why I responded to certain things the way that I did. You know what I mean? And I think I that's it. kind of like having a really good relationship. Then you can kind of like look at the rest of your life and go like, okay, cool. Like let's, let's look at other areas where you can like Improve. work on stuff. Yeah, exactly. Do you write these songs while going to therapy? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to therapy in several months, mainly because I think for me, and I, I sort of lucked out in having a therapist like this. I, I don't, I don't have a feeling that like, that like if you're. I don't think it's like a club I want to be in a hundred percent of the time in my life. I think I want to be able to like utilize it when I need it. If that makes any totally. sense. And like the couple times that I went leading up to like me not going for a while, I was kind of like I would be on my way normally. When I first started, especially like the first couple months, I'd be like the night before I'd be like, "Ooh boy, like I'd be so excited to go and talk about whatever. And the couple times, the couple times I went, the last couple times I went, I was like, I have nothing to say. 
And that was a really good feeling. That was like, oh, I've made progress. That's a sign of progress. Yeah, exactly. So the situation with your friend, do you work that through with a therapist and then write a record on it? Or does the record come first? Well, what I found through my therapist was that I would kind of talk myself to the solution of the thing and that I would, I'd kind of end up the thing. Like she'd ask me enough questions that by the end I'd be like, oh, well, I just have to do this. Do you know what I mean? Uh. And it was like weird because usually like I would be going to therapy about the emotions that I was feeling because of something. And then I'd figure out how to just like solve the thing. And that would sort of erase all the, you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. It's solving the problem. Like I I even remember having this, this is a very weird example. I don't know if I've ever talked about this. We became um, friends with this director, Alfonso Cuaron, who's like a living legend to me. And I think to most people. He directed Gravity and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Children of Men and then he did Roma. And wow. he he became friends with us. He was a very cool guy. And he said, like, do you guys want to do a song for this, like, inspired by soundtrack for Roma? And I was like, yes. And he was like, here are all the sounds from the movie. Feel free to use it. And I was so excited. But we were really busy. We were finishing up When We All Fall Asleep. We were on a tour. It wasn't the kind of caliber of tour we're doing now where we have these huge dressing rooms. We're in these tight little quarters. And I, I just didn't have any time to do anything. And he would hit me up every couple of weeks like, hey, how's it going? Like, have you had a chance to work on it? And I would write back like, I haven't made anything I like yet. And I went to therapy and I was like, I was like, I'm so sad because I'm letting this person down that like, you know, has given me this cool opportunity. And I'm, I have so much respect for him and I'm so inspired by him. And I just feel like I'm like failing to, to, to make, make him feel important in this sort of circumstance. And my therapist was like, well, what, it, why are you not turning anything in? And I was like, well, because I don't, I don't want to turn in something that like he's not going to like. And she was like, well, if you don't turn anything in, that's way worse than turning in something he doesn't like. And I remember being like, oh, I can turn in something bad. And then of course you don't turn in something bad. You turn in something you're proud of, but, but like, you're nervous. but you know what I mean? Like as soon as you give yourself permission to like, just do something, yeah, you're like, oh, well that's easy. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that. And I guess that was sort of the way that like the the friend thing happened where I don't know what I don't know what I was like afraid of, but it was something to the effect of like my therapist being like, well, you could always apologize. (laughs) And I remember being like, oh, my God, I could, you know, I think you have well, because you have so much like we all have so much like defense of ourselves and of like why like why we made certain decisions and this kind of like, well, but. He started it, you know, one of those things. And, like, I think you, it's okay to just go, like, hey, I'm really sorry. You know what I mean? Even if there are things that the other person maybe should be sorry for. Somebody has to step up. Yeah. And admitting fault, it take, like, yeah. all it takes is one person to move. Most of the time in my life, I've found that, that me saying sorry leads to everyone else saying they're sorry, too. Pretty much always. Do you play this record for your friend? I sent it to him, like, five days before it came out. And... Because I didn't want to send it to him like far enough in advance that I would get tripped up because I knew I wanted to put it out. I knew that it, it coming out was the most important thing to me. Um, but I wanted to send it to him like, hey, this is about, you know, our our friendship. And, you know, if there's a line or two in the song that maybe feels alien to you, it's because it's a good rhyme. <laughs> you know, I think that was like and that was also clear was I didn't want it to come out and have him go like, whoa, is, does he think every word of this is true? You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like. There are lines in this, like, there, there's a line that's like, um, how the hell did I lose a friend I never had? 
and I remember playing the song for this uh, artist Bruno Major and he was like what does that line mean and I was like um well <laughs> rhymes so I think what it essentially means is like if you have a friend who then abandons you at any point were they ever a were they ever your friend and right? that's by the way I interpreted this record two different yeah. ways I thought at first that like you lost yourself I think a lot of people thought that and I'm perfectly fine with that that's a cool meaning that's like a the, like a lot of people have interpreted hello by Adele that way, like I, hello from the other side, that it's all to her in the past, which is cool. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I like see, a common interpretation of that one. Up there, Sam Smith and Adele, same person, <laughs> same type, of, same type of rumor. Um, seriously, think about it for a second. It's true. Um, Partners in Crime. Yes, sir. Dude, record has layers. You like that one? The first verse is the only part that's real, though. This is true, and it's not even fully real because she wasn't. She wasn't strung out on coke. She was just drunk. She just had a b lot of smear enough. But coke worked better. Uh, yeah, because it rhymed with it wasn't a joke. And and very vivid. Right, and I think it was also like that's that seems a little bit crazier. Like the friends of mine that have that I have seen like just off cocaine. I'm like, oh, you you're out of your mind right now. And you know, like a person who's kind of sloppy drunk, it's like a little bit less effective. But it was kind of the same effect of just kind of going like, wow, hi. You're so out of your head right now. And then being like, that's not funny. And being like, yeah, I'm not joking. But did you you loved her for it. Is that true? Well, I didn't I didn't love her for like being at the time. I mean, the story behind that concert was that I I we I was dating this girl and we had broken up already and we were um we'd broken up fairly amicably. And I was like, let's go see a, a concert. Or at least amicably I thought. I was the one that broke up with her. So I think I think that's like one of those things that people that that make the call think is like we're both totally cool <laughs> when one of them is cool yeah because you so, did it <laughs> so i was very cool with the whole thing and she was maybe not so cool with it and i was like well let's still go to that we'd still have tickets yeah. to that concert in may let's go and she was like okay and i we i for, i think i picked her up and she had like a like a thermos of water <laughs> water <laughs> it was vodka but um she Came to the show, and it was, like, a good lineup. We liked the opener band, too. But she was already, like, throwing up in the bathroom and, like, wobbling by the time the headliner went on. And I was like, what is going on? And one of the security guys who was, like, or the <sighs> medics at the venue was like, she's had a lot to drink. And I was like, when? <laughs> Before you picked her yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I drove her home. And it was actually, like, a crazy drive home because I was like, oh, that water bottle must be full of vodka. So I poured it out in the parking lot, and then we immediately drove through, like, a sobriety checkpoint. And I was so glad I'd poured it out because I was like, oh, like, if they'd found that in the... sucked. Yeah, it would have been crazy. And I hadn't had anything to drink, so it was fine. But then I did, yeah, I, I was, like, I pulled in her driveway, and I was like, this is this is a, a testament to how fucked up kids' relationships with their parents are. I was like, let me call your mom because we were at her parents' house, which is where she was living at the time because we were young. And she was like, no, 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 don't go home. And I was like, oh, my God, fine. <laughs> so I, like, op like broke into her house for her. And she had, like, one of those house, like, front door open, like those <laughs> things. And I was like, oh, and it was, like, the middle of the night. And I carried her up her, like, spiral staircase, which is so complicated to carry a person up, like, a it gets so narrow. slippery spiral staircase. And then, like, yeah, she had to throw up all of her clothes. And I washed them all off. And she was, like, so messy. And I was like, all right, she's getting in bed. Like, let's, I'm, I'm going to go. I made sure she was, like, okay and not going to, like, choke on her own vomit. She was, like, she was, was nice. She was, like, sobered up by the, that point. But, um, yeah, and then the rest of the song was just that 
everything up until but isn't that what friends are for even if we used to be more like lovers or partners in crime i just liked the way that rang out and then i was like oh that's a really funny way to to keep the rest of the song going is that we were lovers or partners in crime which just means like that you're in a relationship but i was like that would be funny to have it be like that you were in over your head with somebody you technically broke into her house i mean i did you were in over your head it's true and like maybe she drank so much because i don't know her ex-boyfriend wanted to go to a concert with her yeah you might be on to something yeah (laughs) (laughs) you break up with me and then you hit me up to go to a concert well yeah yeah yeah, that's true. You wrote that record and Die Alone. Yeah. Right? While you're in love with Claudia and in this healthy well, relationship. Well, Die Alone, I mean, Die Alone's fully about Claudia. That's just a, a you know, love song, so, essentially. It's just a sad love song. It's beautiful. Thanks, man. You you talk about the fires in California rather often in your art. I do. Well, they're prevalent. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of them. L.A. is very much within the records that you put out there. I think so. I think it's a little bit like if my records are a movie, they're all set in L.A. You know, and I mean, you can see it. Yeah, that's kind of the goal. The helicopter sounds. I love that helicopter sounds. That helicopter sounds so good on that song. Is that real? I mean, it's a real helicopter. I think I got it from a, like a royalty free. I I buy sounds from like a sound website. Is that how you challenge yourself? <laughs> right, like by like because you lit real matches into a microphone. I do a lot of stuff myself, but then sometimes I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, you know. Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't have to live... Like, I know what a helicopter sounds like. I can find a really good helicopter sound and pay for it. You're telling me you wouldn't rent a helicopter? Right, exactly. What the f*** is wrong with you? Yeah, I'm not like, okay, can we pay for a helicopter to fly over my house right now while I hold my microphone up? Your commitment's at like an 80. So stupid. Yeah, exactly. The sirens, the crickets, and Hollywood Forever, but they also come back? Okay, so the crickets and Hollywood Forever, that that was fun because that was just... This is like one of the side effects of recording in your home studio is like one night I was recording, there were these loud crickets. And I was like, well, they sound awesome. And so I just opened all the windows and I recorded only the crickets. And I didn't even record the vocal that night. I just like recorded like six minutes of crickets. And then when I recorded the vocal, it was like during the day and there were no crickets, but I had all the crickets. And I just loved the way they sounded. I thought they sounded awesome. And there's like frogs and Let's Fall in Love for the Night, which was from like San Luis Obispo. It was like in a field. I was like, oh my God. So real? Yeah, pretty I mean predominantly real there's like little moments like like dialone for example has like a car crash in it i didn't crash my car to get that sound just found it you know <laughs> again like what are, you, what are you doing yeah zach's like <laughs> yeah crash your tesla i dare you <laughs> do it you won't the tesla wouldn't even sound good if it crashed it would just go <laughs> <laughs> the most elegant crash yeah you have to have ever. like a like a muscle car from the 80s it'd be like the same crickets from hollywood forever in let's fall in love for the night? No, frogs on uh, a villa beach in really? like up in like Big Sur in Love for the Night. So that's what you end it with. These mm-hmm. are frogs. Yeah, yeah. Which was, I liked. I'm just imagining you like crawling through a field looking for frogs. <laughs> they were so loud. I was just like, whoa, they're out tonight. And so I just pulled the mic out and recorded it. I just like the way they sounded. The frogs are out, baby. Yeah. Do you, how do you write differently for yourself? Then Billy, like, right? Is she like, can you just like, is it the same way of writing? Um, you know, it's not, and I think, I think that's that's a benefit of like over time. I guess is like I'm writing. I guess the more music I put out, the more I'm like writing songs for like the artist me, as opposed to like just sort of like aimless songs. If that makes sense, like I pretty much know if I'm gonna sing a song ultimately, and I can kind of cater that to like. The persona that I feel that I'm 
trying to portray and like what I feel is like a like the, like the example I'd give is like I'm really into this Duckworth song right now called Start a Riot. It's just like who in here wanna start a riot? It's so good. I can't do that. Yeah, like that's just not you'd you'd hear me sing that and you'd be like I don't believe this. <laughs> and I think that's like important to know about yourself is like what feels authentic to who you are. And I think with Billy, I know what is authentic to her and so I can help her portray that. You know what I mean? And I think that changes over time for sure, but I definitely feel that like that's part of the benefit of us knowing each other is I'm like, this is like this thing that we're... And also we really honestly at this point, almost nothing are we like not starting together. So I'm just sort of like there with her every step of the way, you know? Has she attempted to do a record without you since the album? Like a song alone or yeah. just like a whole thing? Um, just a song. She... I don't... Th- think so she starts stuff without me all the time but she'll send it to me and go like Always hey let's you. work on this yeah she she's a funny like i i only would say this because i feel that she would say the same thing if she were sitting next to me she doesn't really like writing she's a really good writer especially in my opinion she's an incredible writer but actually sitting down to writing to write for her is like like running on a treadmill or something you know what i mean where yeah. it's like she's fast but she's like, I hate this. You don't want to do it. You know what I mean? And totally. that's like a funny thing because I love writing. Even on like a day where I write for like eight hours and it's like painful. I'm like, I feel satisfied and it was fun for me. And so it's we just have a different relationship with it. What satisfies you in that process? Like what gives you that rush? I think it's like a very similar like it's a lot of songwriting is like seeing the picture of the of the puzzle on the box and then finding each piece for it. Like, I think I kind of, like, if I close my eyes, I kind of know the song. But I just have to, like, figure out every line of it and figure out all the melodies of it, I guess. You know what I mean? So if that's what motivates you, Uh what motivates Billy? Well, Billy, I think Billy's, like, Billy writes stuff when she feels like she has to express something. Which I think is probably the most altruistic form of songwriting. It's just, like, self-expression, you know? But by the way, like, every... Every song that the two of you have ever put out there sure. feels like self-expression. It definitely all is. But I think she, hers is more like, like I'll, I guess I'll sit down to write a song and I'll have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And by the end of the day, I'm like, oh my God, I had that to say. But she And knows. she goes into it like, I'm an, I have this to say. And we write a song. She you know has I mean? something pent up. A story, a, of an emotion that needs to right. be released. Which I have, like, one in ten times I'll have that. I'll come home like, ooh, boy, and yeah. I'll sit down to write a thing that I know I'm going to write about. But she's kind of all, like, anytime she's writing, she's like, I have this to talk about. Is there a song from Blood Harmony that is this? Like, that you... Oh, you I just... Lost a Friend. I Lost a Friend was, like, this song that I was like, I've got to write this song. Like, what have I been doing not writing this song? I was like, I've been writing all these songs about, like, relationships and about, like, like, you know just stuff that like is general motifs in my life i was like but i gotta write this song about this thing that i'm actually like feeling on a daily basis which is this like you know friendship that i feel i've navigated poorly are you friends now with that guy totally do you feel like the song brought you closer together absolutely yeah i think so would you say healing i don't know i mean we had we had you know healing conversations in person that were more effective than the song but i think this the benefit of that song is that that song so does not villainize the other person you know what i mean there's like no because most times they do right there's like no critical lines in that song really you know what i mean and i think that i think the just in in their mind i'm assuming the fact that i had a song that didn't paint 
sort of a negative portrait of the person was like, oh, cool. He doesn't think I'm a douche. Yeah. He <laughs> you know, hate me. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like in a sense that you were kind of seen differently because you had money? <laughs> uh, well, that I mean, that line in that song. That's hard, though. Like for anybody. Going I think I that. was I mean, I used I use money as a metric because I think it's sort of broad, you know, and I think like the real truth of that line is just kind of like. I was having a lot of things go right for me. And I think everyone everyone that I go like, I'm so sad. Everyone's like, oh, shut up. You know what I mean? Like in the in the deluge of good fortune that you've come into, like give me a break. It was like, I was like, I'm sad over this like long lasting friendship whatever, with whatever. And someone else is like, dude, now you're friends with Flea. You know what I mean? And you're like, you're like, I know, but I want to be friends with both. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so much cooler if they were here with me. Yeah, exactly. And we were all friends. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Like, I understand it too well. Yeah. I I mean, putting that song out has been a real lesson to me and how many people clearly feel the same way. Like like you reposting it a couple of times, that guy Todd Eric, it's like him and like Scotty Sire, those those dudes. Because like they they both like love that song. And to me, I'm like, as far as I can tell from there. From their internet lives, I'm like, you guys have nothing but friends. You have like a million and one friends, and you all just party all the time. And then they're both on like two in the morning, like I lost a friend, and I'm like, ooh, that's what's going on. <laughs> but that's because that's yeah. what everyone's going through. Everybody has to deal with stuff like that, you know. Are, you're kind of in the YouTube world, courtesy of Claudia. Entirely courtesy of, of Claudia. I am like a notorious undocumenter of my life the amount of trips i come back from and i'm like oh it's beautiful and claudia's like show me a picture and i'm like i took zero <laughs> so it's a great thing it's a great thing to be dating a person who documents both of your lives have, for a person who doesn't document your have life. you had to change anything in your life to accommodate the camera use uh no not really and i mean there are probably are youtubers that i would have had to do that for but in claudia's case the, the amount of footage i see in her vlogs like when she shows me her edits I'm like, I had no idea you were filming at that time, which is such a, like, blessing because so many people are like, wait, 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 like, like, and they're holding it in front of their face. Like, I honestly, there's so many times where I see a clip and I'm like, wow, I can't believe you, you got that on film because I, you were just in the moment with me. You know what I mean? And so you get to relive it. It's really nice. Her, her, the two ones that are like the most sentimental to me are she did a Coachella video this year that I loved. And then she did a, a I took her to Australia for like a week. And she filmed all that. And those both, like, have a lot of rewatch value for me. Is there pressure releasing a song named after her? Yeah, absolutely. Because now it's like, it kind of has to work at least for a little. A hundred percent. Yeah, well, and I wrote that song on, like, our first date ever. And I immediately knew that I was going to call it Claudia. And I immediately was like, oh, I'm so screwed. What? I was like, this is, I have to make some calls now. <laughs> at what point do you play that song for her? Uh, I mean, I sent, I'm, you know. I was trying to get laid. Zach. So, <laughs> I sent I sent her the first part of that song right away, and then you parted ways. You hit the piano. One hundred percent. I wrote all that like, "Think you're gonna change my plans?" I wrote that all on like the first night, and then wrote the rest later, like later that week. It was very early, and it worked. I got laid. <laughs> no, I, thank you. No, I I uh, I love that song, and I like I love her. I almost said I love that song and I like her. I love her. I like the song. That's how it should be. You love both. Sure. I mean, I've, I'm i really proud of that song. That's like, that's a song that I'm, that I, that should have been bigger, I think. 
I love that song. Do you? Because it gets stuck in my head all the time, and I'm around friends of mine who it gets stuck in their head all the time, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. Not a home run every time, but I love that song. I wouldn't have done every, anything differently. Sometimes you like listen back to a song six months later, and you're like, I would change X or Y. And that one, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted it to be. Is there a record that has soared that you still today listen to and wish you can change something in it? Um, I mean, I, I think one of the... <laughs> This might be just sort of arrogant or like narcissistic, but I think when a thing does really well, I have a little bit of like a butterfly effect where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't change anything because it it worked. You know what I mean? Was there a moment where you wanted to change something? Oh yeah. I didn't? mean, but that's kind of the way that most stuff happens. You know what I mean? Like the, like, like to use bad guy because it's been the most successful song we've had. Like there are things that like up until it came out, I was like, I don't know about. I don't know if I made the right choice on this clap sound. I just don't know. Like, I tried other ones. That was my favorite, but who knows? And then it comes out, and you're like, well, I'm so glad I stuck to that sound because right. it's part of this package that people really enjoy. So you, know? you then convinced that it was the right decision? Yeah, I mean, I, I think more than that, and this is a weird thing that I've I've dealt with in the last year or so, and it it does not make other people super happy, but... I, I have a real feeling of like it's either going to go or it's not. And I don't think something like a clap sound is going to have much to do with it, if that makes any sense. Sometimes, but in general, when people get really meticulous about like, I don't know about like the reverb on like minute, like at this, uh, two minutes and 30 seconds in, there's like this moment where it echoes. And I'm like, bro, no one's even going to listen that far. <laughs> and if they do, they already like the song and we're fine. And like, I still think it's important to make artistic decisions throughout songs and to really care about them and be passionate about them. But when people get really nitpicky and they're like, let's try six different... I'm like, nobody cares. Like, just put the song out. Do you think there's a one clear formula to a hit record? No. Oh, my God, no. Absolutely not. Do you feel like you have an idea of what it takes? No, less and less now that we've had more and more success because, because I just... Like, it just teaches me each time that I don't know what I'm, I don't know. You know what I mean? I I love the music that we make and I'm very proud of it. And I, I feel that I've gotten like sort of objectively like more refined in the way that I make it. And I make less mistakes, I think. But like, honestly, I don't know. I think, I think the one thing that I would say is it's, it's song first a hundred percent. You know what I mean? It's like, you just not going to have like a cool sounding production if the song isn't there, it's not going to go. You know what I mean? Like Lyrical you can, integrity. You, I mean, just song, like melody, <laughs> melody, performance, lyrics. Like that has to just be like aces for a thing to go. I think like, and that's like one of the many reasons that I don't start with production is I don't want to spend hours and hours on like this epic thing that then might get top-lined over that will just be a disaster. <laughs> How does a song necessarily start then? Um, usually kind of all at once as like almost like an improv exercise. There's like something going like in the case of, um, let's see, like the case of like, let's fall in love for the night. It was like playing that like little guitar pattern in a hotel room in, um, Tokyo and then singing that like, and then like just figuring out what words would fit in that. And that all just sort of happening at the same time. And you're like, I don't know if any of this is right. And then you get through a, a, section of it and you're like oh i like the way that this sounds you know at what point in that process do you know that you have something i think in that 
in that case, I, in Let's Fall in Love for the Night, I, I get attached to weird things. Like in Let's Fall in Love for the Night, I said that noise. That's like a line. <laughs> and I don't know why I said that, but I really, I really liked saying that. And I felt like that was an expression that I was like, I want to start saying that in my life. Like, I love that. Oh, f- that noise. Like, it's such a dismissive, like, thing. And I was like, I've never said that. And... I li- I liked that whole I'm the boy that your boy wished that oh, you would avoid probably. because that all that was that whole song was inspired by this person I was talking to who who had like a jealous boyfriend and I was like that's so lame that's so like 13 to be jealous you know I totally understand that but it yeah. exists envy is real 100% So is this a friend of yours do you poke the bear knowing that there's a jealous boyfriend <laughs> This was uh this was some time ago. I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> what was happening. You know what? At Dude. the time, I think at the time I think they were single. I was. We were both single. This was like a this was a, a a year and a half, a year and a year and three quarters ago. And you talked that nerdy. Sh- we did. We were talking about Smeagol in Lord of the Rings. Oh Jesus! We both did <laughs> no impressions joke. of Smeagol. Yeah. Who had a better impression? Me. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. That was a dumb question. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, what story was brought to you to write everything I wanted? Um, that was another, like, everything kind of all at once. I had that piano progression going that I thought was really pretty on its own. And Billy sang, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty melody. And then she was like, I was like, oh, I had a dream. That's cool. I got everything I wanted. Not what you'd think. And if I'm being honest, it might have been a nightmare. Which I thought was just like, sort of like, on its own, told the whole story. And then the rest of the song is kind of elaborating on that. Um, and I think that song, in in so many ways, is like up for interpretation. Billy's, you know, interpretation, which I think is probably the most reliable, considering it's it's her life story, is that she's gone through periods of great depression in her life. And... Um, at the time had had this actual dream where she had like died and nobody cared. Everyone was like, oh, okay. Which I think is like a weird, uh, that happens in dreams a lot to me. Not that I've died, but like that someone has died and everyone's just kind of like fine. I don't know. That's like a weird thing that happens in my dreams. And, um, and so she'd had that. And then that was kind of the first part of it. And then the song in many ways was us kind of talking about each other and about like carrying each other through this tumultuous period of our lives i mean 2018 from start to finish was like an insane period of of time like i don't think i'll i think for the rest of my life i'll look back and be like oh my god that was all one year you know i think the next if the next five years contain as many changes as that one calendar year did it would it'll be insane Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and i think that hook is and you say as long as i'm here no one can hurt you which was just this kind of like I don't know that that was even like a pull quote that I'd ever said, but it was just this motif of like always being around each other and we're always like there for each other implicitly. Because well, yeah. I want to ask about the album artwork because in oh, the yeah. song it says, so I stepped off the golden and I saw people thinking like, is that a painting of the Golden Gate Bridge? It is, yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, it's this artist that she found on Instagram that she just loved. He does these beautiful sort of like square painting uh, pieces that are so good. and uh, And, you know, I think the that that image you know you look for like things that help like just give an image to a song and i think that so sort of a striking i stepped off the golden and i like the i'm always a fan of of 
making the listener feel as smart as the listener is. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to say I stepped off the Golden Gate Bridge mm -hmm. to know what that. I think it's sort of in the zeitgeist enough to be like I stepped off the Golden that people can go like, oh, that's talking about the Golden Gate Bridge. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's there's I I I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example of where someone else did it. Oh, I know in um in someone uh someone you love the uh, Louis Capaldi song. He says, I let my guard down and you pulled the rug. And that's that's all he has mm -hmm. to say. He doesn't say you pulled the rug out from underneath my feet. He just says you pulled the rug. And you've heard that enough times that you just go, oh, yeah, totally. Connect you the know? dots. Exactly. Which I think is fun. I think it's fun to let listeners feel like they're, you know, thinking. <laughs> you know, you bringing up the dream thing and having a dream about, you know, either people dying and nobody oh, caring. I had this dream once when I was a child that I looked through a very powerful telescope in my backyard and I looked up at the moon and my dad was on the moon, like <laughs> dead on the moon. And I was like, oh my God. And I told, I was like, mom, dad is on the moon and he's dead. And my mom was like, it happens. <laughs> and I was I, like, what? I, I'm telling you, I think that's a generational thing. I, I think this <laughs> generation has seen more... Sad stuff? Yes, more death and destruction. Didn't 10 people get shot today in uh, downtown? Uh, at a party or like a football? Fresno. And then there was, was another shooting at Walmart today. Yes. Today. In Oklahoma, yeah, there was a shooting over the weekend and the shooting uh, in... The high school or the middle school? Yeah. Yep. Cr crazy. And then, by the way, like, starts with 9-11, you know? So this oh, idea yeah, that, that was when I... We, I mean... You went through it? Like the... I was whatever, four, three? Yeah. Crazy. You, you're that young in 2001? Yeah. How old are you? 22. 22. Yeah, I'm 26. 22. Jesus. What do you but yeah, that like? stuff when it, I think especially the stuff that happens to you when you're young enough that you're not able to like have a broad contextualization. You just have like the emotional response. Yeah, and you're seeing everybody else's yeah, emotional response. Yeah, you're looking response. at your mom and your dad. That's the stuff that that kind of informs the rest of your life in many ways. I'm telling you, I ha I, there has so to be something true. that is generational because I've you had know what, similar though? thoughts. And this is and I, Billy and I make fun of our parents for this because when when Trump was elected. Our parents were both like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to the country. And I was like, didn't you live through multiple presidential assassinations? <laughs> and my mom was like, well, yes. And I was like, that surely is worse. I'm not arguing that both aren't bad. But I'm just saying the day that Kennedy is shot in a parade yeah, it's up there. has to be a worse day. I, if, they, dis there. they disagreed. I was like, ah, all right. Because... I mean, look where we're at now. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. On November 11th, uh, November 18th, I'm sorry, 2019. No, it's really bad. But but crazy happened in our in the generations before us, and I think they've all forgotten. <laughs> like like the Nixon, like the whole oh. Nixon thing, and the Kennedy. Th I'm I like, feel like they're all been waiting for this moment to blow everything else out of the water. I'm like, dude, yeah, it's really bad, but it's been crazy for a long time. The history keeps repeating itself. It's true. Do you feel responsibility to be socially aware in your art? I do, and it's been a great pet peeve of mine sitting in locations of uh, public radio and having them go like, well, there's some awfully dark motifs in this music. And I'm like, have you looked outside? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, what are you looking at, man? So crazy. Yeah, especially when we were like, like right before the album, maybe right after the album came out, we were doing like a lot of radio, and that was like, a common remark from like grown-ups sitting across from us like this is awfully dark like what is this fantasy i was like what are you talking about like this is just about like the world yeah fantasy narrative no it's this not, is not yeah not this is reality it was the only time i would i would get like really terse with people because i was so annoyed by it like it, they were like 
it was as if they were accusing us of like glorifying self destruction or yeah. something. And I was like, this is like so not. <laughs> what a lot of people. There was a point in the journey of this music where people were taking a stand. I mean. Uh, I, I think it's Crown where she's bleeding black, right? Uh, the when the party's over is the blood out of the, the, the like dark sort of ink substance coming out of her eyes. I mean, I remember parents protesting. Parents, that video out. got a lot of dislikes on YouTube. I yeah, I, I kind of thought it was beautiful. It's my real- favorite. I can't watch the video and not cry. I don't. I'm not usually on the sets for Billy's music videos because I'm busy like working on other stuff for us. And, you know, she's she's. A hundred percent of her own creative vision, so I, I don't, I'm not needed, and so I usually only see the finished product. So that video blew my mind, and then um, "Bury a Friend" blew my mind. That video is insane. Holy shit! Does do you get frustrated when people speak out against pieces of art like that? I get frustrated when anyone thinks that their opinion about a 17 year old is valid. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah, that's it's louder. I, I, is it? Weird to think that people feel compelled. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and we're on like a one on the scale of whatever Greta Thunberg is going through. But, the amount of like grown ass people like on a sixteen year old climate activist with Aspergers blows my mind. It's gross. unbelievable. <laughs> it's gross, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And people, people who think that that's okay, I know, need to understand that it's not okay. It's just, it's just crazy it's crazy that you would have that stance and feel so um like i mean i get i to me i think that i think a response of like anger and hatred is like a basically a fear response it's oh. like your fight or flight it's, it's, it's fight and i think the fact that people are so intimidated by greta thunberg where i'm like i'm intimidated by her in a positive way where i think she's like kicking all of our asses or i'm like i'm I'm weak in comparison to this strong 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Like I'm totally. doing less than I should be compared to her. But they're intimidated. But the idea that they're intimidated by her and they, they're they like defensive blows my mind. It's so crazy. Because they can't talk it out and have a, a conversation where they come out on top. Well, yeah. There's it's n- so stupid. Yeah. 2019. It's crazy. I saw uh, – this is, this is actually – I'm so excited to talk about this because this is a kind of a good uh, a good example of like internet culture. My friend and I have been talking about it for a couple of days, um, and it's uh, <laughs> this dude tweeted, um, "If I were in Afghanistan, I would have stopped ISIS." Awesome tweet on its own, just like really sort of sound like structurally sound tweet. Makes a lot of sense. And then that. Um, politician who used to be a, a navy seal with one eye the guy yeah. that has the eye patch his name is like neil i forget what his full name is uh, but google him. yeah but he responded to the tweet from this person god knows why he felt the need to take time out of his day to respond to this tweet but his his response was i was i, I was in afghanistan i lost my eye to an improvised explosive device an ied you know trust me you have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> and the person responded <laughs> R.I.P. to your eye, but I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> and and that to me, that's the internet. I was like, there you go, done. You can't fight stupid. And also, I don't even think he was being stupid. I think he was just taking the sh- this 
poor guy. Yeah. I think he was just trying to rouse, like, to get a rise out of him. But by the way, that's the internet too. A hundred percent. But that, but all of that is the, like, you can't have a rational argument if somebody's just trying to be arch and funny yeah. and wry. You can't be like, trust me. You don't have, you don't have any idea what you're saying. You know what I mean? Of course. That dude's not going to war. Ari Peter I'm different. Ari Peter I, but dot, dot, dot. I'm different. <laughs> Dude, one of the funnier things I've ever seen. It's so good. Uh, I love the internet. They redesigned Sonic. I, yeah, we saw that. Yeah. He's a different looking dude. You know what's funny about the redesign of Sonic? When you look at that trailer, you're like, okay. And then you're like, wait, what did he look like before? And you look up the before and a you're man. like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it's, it's horrifying. He looked like a human, like a little ugly man thing. He looked like... Um, he looked haggard and beat up. He looked like one of the things you see on, like, the History Channel where they're like, this person uh, got a piece of bark in their eye and then grew bark all over their body. And you're like, oh, no. Like, that. he looks just like a deformed blue child, basically. And now he looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. Pretty I excited. I approve. Of yep. the new one? Oh, yeah. I like that all the comments are, like, these other nincompoops who are like, damn, they really did it. All right, I'm going to go see this movie. And I'm like, oh, gee, oh, my God. Everyone just thinks they're so... I was sitting next to my friend one time in a movie. We were going to go see, like... I forget what movie we were seeing, but we were watching a trailer for um, just something. And I think Jennifer Lawrence was in it, who's the best. I love Jennifer Lawrence. And my friend leaned over to me and goes, I don't really like, I don't really, I don't really like Jennifer Lawrence very much. And I went, oh, my God. Should I tell her? <laughs> I was like, who f***ing cares? You, you, so self-important, sitting here watching her movie trailer, as if she's bothered by that. Just need to let you know. People, I don't, are, I don't like people are obsessed with their own opinion. It's crazy. It, but a part of me, I kind of get it. People want to feel a little important sometimes. Taste is one thing, but I think like... Like, it's a little bit like me being like, you know what? I don't really like this whole In-N-Out Burger thing. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, you're not stopping anything. Yeah, Who cares? no one else. You know what I mean? Yeah, opinions are like, everybody has one. Doesn't mean you're going to stop the flow there of life. There you go. I think it's like mainly it's just like if you have like an opinion that's like positive, yeah. that's more valuable. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. There you go. Yeah. Take that with you. There you go. Final thought? Well, yeah, I did... Want to ask? Uh, are What's you and up? Billy ever gonna like release a song together? Or? Uh, well, it's funny. That's a that's a f- question we've gotten asked quite often. I mean, you know, I think our both our response sort of generally is like, well, kind of all of her songs are songs together in many ways, and like on "I Love You," we sing in tandem the entire way through that song, and everything I wanted, I sing on the chorus. I think maybe down the line, yeah, maybe down the line we'll sing a project as a kind of a real like. A vocal, B vocal thing, but but probably not for a while. I think we have a lot of stories to tell independently first. You know, mm-hmm. I think the benefit of things like that are just like there's a lot of value in uh, creative experimentation, and I think that would be like an experimental leap for us mm-hmm. someday to be like, hey, let's do this thing where it's really both of us. But you know, I think certainly we're both very involved in each other's art in many ways, and I've I've made all of the songs under my own name in so such close proximity to her that she feels like an an A and R, you know, on all those songs. But yeah, maybe. I mean it, you know, but we we do love working together. I get why you wouldn't want to do a duet. Right. On many for many different reasons. Sure, yeah. But a part of me is like, you're so young and she's young. Uh-huh. 
you have so many other stories to tell yeah. and so much time yet to tell them. Absolutely. Yeah. Only tap into things when you want to be challenged in that way or feel like well, you need totally. to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way we kind of like try everything is like we're not rushing into changing any, you know, things that we are we love doing while we're still, you know. I think it's like we treat it a little bit like like anything. It's like a muscle, you know what I mean? Like we we feel like we're just getting stronger. So we're just excited to keep, you know, doing what we're doing. And then I think it's to me it's really fun. Like like the best example of a band I can give is like My Chemical Romance, where I felt like every couple albums they'd get bored and they'd be like, All right, let's change everything. And it was so exciting as an audience member to watch a band get excited again. Do you know what I mean? Like where totally. you could tell they're excited. I think there's bands, <laughs> the offspring, where you're like Okay. Do you guys even care anymore? Like, I love you're gonna go far, kid. But like, there's like six albums that sound exactly like this. Crazy. But see, isn't that the constant conversation and argument? Do you give your fans what they know, or do you give them what you creatively feel compelled to create? I think culturally, it's your job as an artist to make art that you're passionate about and to to be, you know, receptive to your audience's response to it. You know, we haven't. We're not on the other side of having an album that our audience doesn't like. I've seen that happen to most of my favorite artists where they put out an album and the audience collectively goes, no, you know, and that's a really interesting thing. Chance the Rapper just had that happen to him, you know. I don't I don't know what his next piece of art is going to be like, but, you know, I think, I think response informs your art. So it'll be really interesting. Are you emotionally prepared to maybe one day encounter that moment if you choose no, to take a leap? God, no. I'm going to call my therapist right back up be like, hey. <laughs> What's Miss up? Me? Hey, baby. Coming back. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent of my very fragile ego is tied into people's response to my art. I'm not prepared. <laughs> but also, let's manifest that it doesn't happen. And but, but but I do, if you're making art that's true to you, yeah. is that success enough? Like, how do you measure Abs- success? Well, absolutely. I mean, to me, and this is like the funny thing. I'll maybe close on this. Like, I think people have a lot of like a lot of the questions that I've been asked and this is different than like a kind of a technical like how much I'm willing to promote or tour or something but like people talk about like my goals for my own music and I think to me it's like there are so many milestones that I feel I've accomplished with Billy that like if I hit those as a solo artist that'll that'll feel fun and just as good but I I also don't like I'm making music under my own name as a method of like self-expression like really truly and like and it, it feels really good to put out those songs and to play a show of any size. You know, Hollywood Forever, the capacity is like 300 people. It's a very small room. But it f- feels great because I'm up on stage in front of somebody getting to, like, tell these stories that are about my life. And I think to me, you know, like, doing that is, like, rewarding enough. And and I think with one of the things we did with When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, which I'm so glad we did, was really early on in the process of making that album because we kind of started right after we did don't smile at me what i basically just said to billy like i don't i this album's not done until you love like every second of this album and i knew that was a pretty hard goal to achieve because we're all the most critical of our own work you know and like there's songs that we've both made where we're like i don't know about that one you know what i mean and then they've they've done what they do where they've not you know but with that album, I was like, I'm I'm only interested in making an album with you that you are going to listen to and be like, oh, f- yeah, I love this record, you know. And I'm so glad we did that because all that it meant was the, the minute we finished that album and then it wasn't out for another three months because of the sort of rollout, 
we would listen to it and we'd be like, I love it. You know, I don't know how everyone else is going to feel about it, but I love it. And that was like so comforting to not have an album that like, you know, I think we weren't like, oh, I don't even know if it's good. You know, we were like, well, we don't know if it's going to, how it's going to do or how it's going to be received, but we know that we made the album that we wanted to make. And I think that's pretty much the kind of art you should always be making. Do you see her records as a form of your self-expression as well? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think sort of more in the kind of like sonic components of them. Mm. You know, sometimes there's just like a beat that is a really angry beat or like a really ominous beat. And that's, that gets out some, you know, sort of emotional turmoil that I might be feeling in a weird way. I mean, lyrically, I'm, I'm trying to help her tell her narrative, but, um, but yeah, they're they're all sort of emotional releases for sure. How you feeling about the Grammys? Oh my God, the nominees are out in like two days. Yeah, they're coming, dude. I'm trying to like forget. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to like. I would love to wake up on Wednesday and be like to get like a call and have and no recollection that it was that day. You know, <laughs> that's the best. So blackout. I won't. I won't. But you know, that would be the the dream. I'd love to not wake up Wednesday with like a knot in my stomach. Are you nervous? I am. Um, and I don't know that I should be because I don't know that, like, you should measure your life on, like, uh, accolades of things if, if they, you know, fulfill you in their own way. Um, I think I think all I'll say about it is, like, if, we, if we're nominated for no Grammys, I will be no less a happy a person and I will feel no less fulfilled creatively. But... I've watched the Grammys every year growing up and, uh, you know, there's a, a million artists that I love that have been nominated and received nominations and I think it, it is Im important to me. Like, like there are artists that I genuinely feel like they get nominated and like, I don't even give a <laughs> And I definitely give a You know what I mean? Like, I'll be fine if we don't get nominated for anything. But, but if, if we do, it'll be a big deal to me. So can. I guess I'll put it that way, you know? Yeah. Positive vibes only, my friend. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate every second you gave us, and I really, I feel understood with Oh, Harmony. man. That's, a, that's, the best, uh, that's the best response you could have. There's a Father John Misty quote where he talks about how authenticity is just empathy, that they're the same thing, that, you're, that someone's ability to empathize with someone else is just the most authentic you can be because it's just you. Being your true self. Being yourself and seeing that they're just being themselves and just being able to, like, deal with that. And that was like one of those things where like I remember seeing that and probably like muttering out loud like, damn, <laughs> you know, and yeah. like, but that's, I think to me, that's like always my like ultimate, ultimate goal with music is just like any music that someone goes like speaks to me. And I'm like, so the fact that you feel this music is, is um, true to you is really, really exciting to me. So thank you. That quote just hit me. I appreciate that. Thanks, Zach. Phineas, everybody. Love, man. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.